Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Baranowski. Nate Baranowski. And tell me we're doing that. <laughs> I would have done my name like that. I'm the cool, fun one of the podcast. And you're like the responsible one. No, we've never decided this. Anyway, this week we reviewed the 2006 Bond movie Casino Royale starring Daniel Craig. We take a trip to Romance Corner to talk about Eva Green and Daniel Craig's chemistry. We talk about how Daniel Craig compares a 007 to some of our childhood favorites. We talk about this very long, two-hour, 24-minute movie that somehow has a rushed ending. We discuss how a 40-minute poker game can keep our attention. And we return to Top 5's talking about our Top 5 favorite James Bond theme songs. All that and more on Movies on the Side. This week, we did the 2006 James Bond film Casino Royale starring Daniel Craig. I cannot believe it has taken us this long to do a 007 movie. It feels good to return to a movie that is firmly placed in my rose-colored glasses era of 2004 to 2008. Mm-hmm. Before re-watching this, which I have not done in maybe more than 10 years, right? in my mind, Casino Royale was my favorite James Bond movie ever. Now, you had said that in the past... Yes. And I thought it was audacious because I had talked about Skyfall being one of my favorites, and you think that movie is a pile of garbage. It came after my rose-colored glasses era, and I think we need to define... We all have an era in our life where we were young, impressionable, I'm guessing like high school. I was young, then I was old, and I've never seen... And now here I am. Never mind. So... After that rose-colored glasses era, I think comes a hard, the world Mm. has crushed you. (laughs) You walk outside and it's all gray. And you're a little bit more Mm, cynical of all things. Maybe Skyfall hit me in that time. I need to rewatch Skyfall. We need to rewatch Skyfall. Yes. Very soon, because this movie, Casino Royale, begins Daniel Craig's debut as 007. Now, for me, you know, I feel like any person any person who likes spy movies and james bond type stuff you enter the panopticon of secret agent stuff at a certain james bond for me i entered in the pierce brosnan era i know people older than us might have entered even in the sean connery era or that other guy roger (laughs) moore roger moore thank you for me it was pierce brosnan and those movies were in my rose-colored glasses memory because i loved those pierce brosnan ones Mm -hmm. and the movie goldeneye i had played the game sharing the same title on nintendo 64 for years before watching it Mm -hmm. and so it was like a doubly wow this is incredible so it was a little skewed i do have to say this before we start yeah my entry into james bond was starting with sean connery and dr no wow It was one of those, like, every night on Spike TV (laughs) back in the day, we were deemed as children old enough to now watch James Bond movies, at least the older ones. So I started out thinking Sean Connery is my James Bond. 
started from the very beginning. Is it was he really a great James Bond? He was a great James Bond. Okay. We move from Sean Connery, which those movies are hokey and old, but when you start with them as a kid, to them it's like, oh, okay. Right. Got it. It's like watching Get Smart. It's like, all right, yeah. this is the, the Inspector Gadget before Inspector Gadget. Speaking of hokey and old, by the way, Nate and I are resuming our top five tradition with a legitimate top five this episode. And we're going to be talking about the top five Bond theme songs and seeing the difference of age between those theme songs. I think, like you're saying, it kind of reveals that hokiness. At Absolutely. Time. Yes. Yes. We have both listened to about 25 songs in preparation. The most work I've ever done for this podcast <laughs> is listening to those theme songs. It's pretty fun. Skyfall, let it crumble. We will stand But I started with Sean Connery uh, back okay. in the day, and I watched the James Bond movies in order. Wow. I then got to Roger Moore, which apparently w- he was my parents' James Bond when they started wow. watching them. Okay. And I said, who is this man? <laughs> Imposter. This this man is not my James Bond. And then we returned to Pierce Brosnan, and I went, okay, right, I'm back. Mm. You are more Connery than than Roger Moore. Gotcha. Was Roger Moore, like, silly? or He wasn't silly. To me, he looked old and a little not cool. I got, okay, I gotcha. I thought Pierce Brosnan was very cool. The movies he was in sometimes varied in quality. But Sometimes I, I think he had a strong start with Goldeneye I'll just say that I mean, I think we've done Goldeneye on this show, oh, right? that's right And then we did we did our top five Bond movies then That's right, I forgot about that Okay, so this is not our first 007 movie This is a companion piece to that episode Yes, this has been a very long time That's an old, old episode because we've been doing this for decades Before we even start here I yes. do have, this is the second time I've said this Yeah The pantheon of Bond movies range from decent and okay to really really bad and there is also a sort of how do i say it problematic side Mm. of james bond that i would give that as a fair warning to anyone who wants to enter the james bond movie world or bring your kids into it or whatever that there's a lot of discussions of how this man treats women he is a womanizer Uh, i mean he kills a lot of men and he sleeps with a lot of women and that's sort of james bond's role in trying to teach as i have a little baby boy now thinking about eventually when would i want to introduce him to james bond but also simultaneously say like this is not the sort of masculinity you want to emulate my boy right it would have to be because even if you skip a scene here and there there's still like innuendos and just sure yeah and i think i would have to say that casino royale is the closest to a well, maybe, I don't know, Skyfall is pretty good, too. I think Daniel Craig's portrayal of James Bond is a little more human, a little yes. more flawed, and you kind of understand he's not just a womanizer for womanizer's sake. I agree, and I, and I think he rivals Pierce Brosnan. Because Pierce Brosnan was my first 007, he rivals the top spot in my mind. I've not seen the Sean Connery one, so I would have to go back and watch those. But right. But I really like Daniel Craig's 007. I'll just say that. Okay. All right, this movie's Rotten Tomatoes, Nate. 95, yep. 95% critic score, 89% audience score. Yep. yep this yep, is a very yep, high yep. mark for a first Daniel Craig 007. Now, this movie, I'd forgotten much of it. Let me just say that. Mm. This was not one that stuck out of my mind for some reason. But this movie is basically going back to 
when James Bond became a double O agent. Right. It's kind of like a prequel almost. Origin story. An origin story, which I love the opening in black and white and just that whole feel of it. And it helps you realize like, oh, okay, this is the past. He's just learning his, his stuff. Right. We will do a spoiler horn because kind of the very end is the most spoilery of spoilery things. Sure. Maybe we just talk about a couple of the characters. The bad guy in this 007 movie is Mads Mikkelsen, mm. whose name is Lashif. I suppose our friend Mr. White will have told you that I have provided reliable banking services for many other freedom fighters over the years. I just have to say, Mads Mikkelsen, he's a bad guy in a lot of movies. I think you've mentioned him in a top five bad I have. <laughs> bad guy actors. And I really like him in this movie as a bad guy, too. Oh, he's really, really good. I don't have much more to say about him except him sitting at that poker table. Yes. The the the, the choice to give him the, the one eye with a little blood comes out every once in a while when he's stressed. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. He's good. So one of the things is sometimes 007 movies vary in action. And I found this one to be kind of action-packed for a lot of the first half. And one of the first scenes is like this crane chase. A tour de parkour. <laughs> it's a tour de parkour, and I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of him chasing this guy. But it is, you know, some action scenes, we've talked about movies that are not as good, and you kind of like start looking at your phone because the action right. scene is not engaging. But this action scene, I was like wanting to take notes, but I also wanted to see what was happening like it was right kind of an engrossing action scene on these cranes and the chase and i was like i feel like it's daniel craig's first 007 movie this kind of opening action scene was the movie saying daniel craig can be action 007 right this is not the the cg pierce brosnan uh <laughs> surfing the the tidal wave right <laughs> <laughs> this is a a guy who is athletic enough mm -hmm. and gritty enough to you know plow through a a uh, <laughs> drywall yes wall during that chase it it really does set like listen we're taking some of the polish off of James Bond. He's not always going to be in a suit. Sometimes he's going to be running, right. chasing a, a guy through a construction yard and probably inadvertently killing a lot of construction workers. True. But he's also able to run in a suit, as we see later in the movie, and he looks great doing that too. Yes. <laughs> Takes a page from the Tom Cruise school of arm pumping. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of my favorite parts about that first crane chase scene is the bad guy goes to shoot at James Bond and he's out of bullets, so he throws the gun at Bond, but Bond yes. catches the gun and then throws it back at him. I thought that was funny. I don't know. The first 45 minutes, this is a two-hour and 24-minute long movie. It's, it's long. long. Yeah, it's a long Bond. And the first 45 minutes, maybe even to an hour, goes by fast. It goes by fast. And it is one of those movies where it is long, but I don't mind the length because, you know, I had to watch this in two sections because I'm a new dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Halfway through, I in, while looking at it, I didn't have the thought of, oh, man, I have another hour 15 to go. Right. I said, oh, <laughs> great. I have another hour 15 of this movie. Yes. And that's a, a great feeling. This movie, it feels like a serialized TV show because the first 30 minutes are very different from the next 30 minutes, which are very different from the next 45 minutes, which are very different from the final 30 minutes. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't add those up in your head. But, but they make it work. Right. Somehow. They, they really make it work, and it's it's enjoyable. They do play a lot of poker, which we'll get to that in a second. They do. <laughs> but a couple things, too, is that, you know, they were, I think as Daniel Craig is a, as a first-time Bond in this movie, 
I think they tried to kind of show his action side, his like smooth talking side, his like quick on his feet side early on. So you feel confident that like he's going to be able to get through whatever situation he gets through. And one of my next favorite parts, just little things is when he, he's at this hotel, I think he's in the Caribbean or whatever. And he basically cons his way into the other guy's car. Yes. You know, he shows up in the ladies boyfriend's car basically and he convinces her to get in and he's like oh we'll go to my place and she says where's your place he says not far and he like drives around the loop in front of the hotel right back to the hotel door mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like she laughs and i was like oh man that's pretty slick bond <laughs> what about a drink at my place your place is it close very he starts the movie by driving in like a Ford Focus or a Ford Fusion or something. And I love how the movie's like, right. <laughs> you know, it it pulls the rug out from under you because it goes like, oh, is this new James Bond just like a Ford driving guy? And it's like, nope. No, no, he no. immediately changes cars and like ends up in the Aston Martin, but like yes. moves to a like a Range Rover or something. <laughs> yes. Halfway through. Did you, so there's a scene at an airport and... Did you catch a Richard Branson cameo at the airport security? I did not, but I saw that in the trivia section. So that was him? Yes. Okay, I was watching it, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like Richard Branson. And I was like, okay, he must have paid something to get in there. But yeah. I think overall, Daniel Craig is great as James Bond in this movie. Yes. I think the rough edges, the softer side, the couple moments make me go like okay i believe you i believe that actually for the very first time i'm thinking about james bond killing a lot of people and that it might actually have a some sort of toll on his psyche that's actually a theme in the movie you know the opening scene the guy is saying you know your first time killing someone is really tough how did you die your contact not well i needn't worry the second is and we also we see James Bond's first kill, like that fight scene in the bathroom. Right. Like we actually, every once in a while, get a line about how many is this for you now? And it kind of reinforces the idea that there is a mental cost. And even when he starts trying to disconnect himself from like the person side, like, you know, even um, M kind of tries to remind him like there's an emotional cost whether you think there is or not right you know so i, I thought that was good that most bond movies you don't get that right you, you you know it's just license to kill which is literally a bond movie title and, and then that's it two moments i love so one as i was watching this it's this been a long time since i've watched a bond movie of any kind mm-hmm. and i remembered how much i love bond movies <laughs> they're just a lot of fun yep. and one of the things that really make it fun is the music during the movie like the score mm. in that airport scene there's a moment and i'll play the clip but when they reveal the biggest airplane in the world that kind of this yes. you know, the bad guys are after and there's this trumpet like screaming trumpets riff yes. when that airplane gets revealed and as soon as those trumpets ripped i was like oh yeah Bond movies love that brass section is just yes. like, can Screaming. we just wail right now? <laughs> yes, you may. Go ahead. Take I out the, the little mute cones, oh, whatever yeah, those are called. Open bell. You got to scream. Open bell. Let's go. <clears throat> I love that. 
And then I also love, you know, they haven't, this is another action scene when he's fighting the guy and the guy, you know, had a bomb on this tanker. The moment at the end of that scene, when the guy goes to blow up the bomb and the guy realizes that Bond put the little bomb on his belt. Right. And you don't see the guy blow up. All you see is Bond's face as he's getting arrested. And he has this, Smiling. He has, he has this smile grinning at the guy. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. And then that guy reforms in a puddle of molten metal and you realize he's a terminator the whole time <laughs> oh wait that wasn't this movie no you watched you watched the wrong movie nate that's the wrong movie. okay let's talk about one more per oh, no two more people before we get into a few more plot yeah. things mm-hmm. dame judy dench yes perfect <laughs> i guess that's all i wanted to say about it in every 007 movie but i also feel like in this one she had a lot she had more to do yes besides skyfall which we're going to do very soon because we need mm-hmm. to talk about that but She's awesome. I love, not that she talks down to Bond, but she really does like rake him over the coals a bunch of times in this movie. Right. And it's it's pretty great. We're trying to find out how an entire network of terrorist groups is financed and you give us one bomb maker. Hardly the big picture, wouldn't you say? She is good and she really feels like she balances Daniel Craig's performance so well. I love the scenes that they're in it together uh, when she comes down to, I think, the Bahamas or whatever and is talking with him. A lot of times she's an exposition machine, uh, but it's still in a way that's like he really, she puts him in his place a lot. Yes, absolutely. Who's the second person? Eva Green. Yes. Who plays Vesper Lind. Yes. Tell me what you thought about Eva Green. Let's try to do our best to not do spoilers. No, no, no. But no. just talk about her overall character and their chemistry specific- specifically. We can do Romance Corner. Their conversation, especially their first few on the train mm-hmm. and then later, I felt like were so great. Like the energy in the air as they're talking to each other. It was just like palpable and you just loved hearing them go like tit for tat and like back and forth. And there's even a line when they're driving in the car. This is like their second conversation where Bond is like, No, don't worry. You're not my type. Smart. Single. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's just like those little quips. And I was like, I loved their dialogue. It was great. And I loved her as a character and the arc. Yeah, it was great. I think that some of my favorite moments actually were when she they're like splitting a suite and she's putting on her eye makeup yes and she doesn't have a lot of eye makeup on in that moment and it's almost like you can i wish they had used that more as a tell of her being a little bit less guarded mm-hmm. i guess i guess the the point is she was guarded for a lot of this movie so the eye makeup was kind of part of her it's her suit sort of thing that she her right. walls are up but i loved that scene kind of seeing her interact with him and getting him the custom suit that she yes. sized him up the first time they met i thought she was great i have a dinner jacket there are dinner jackets and dinner jackets this is the latter and i need you looking like a man who belongs at that table it was so good. I had a hard time figuring out. We'll talk about this plot right after this spoiler horn. I had a hard time figuring out what she was, who she worked for. It was like the Her Majesty's dollar dollar Treasury Department. Basically, I you know honestly, I thought she was Money Penny at first. <laughs> like I, I honestly did. Like I thought I I, I thought Bond called her that. No, uh, she says I'm the money, and he says worth every penny. Right, which is I guess just a. It's just a, a little wink. For all the 007 fans, yeah. I'm the money. 
Every penny of it. What did you think? This is not a spoiler, but like Romance Corner, did you believe they're growing into chemistry with each other? I believed the first 50% of their romance. Mm. She doesn't enter this movie until an hour in. Right. For as long as the movie is, they don't have a ton of time to like get moving. I think it makes, I'm going to speak vaguely here, I think it makes a switch to her being like, yes, I am completely into you. You are the man of my dreams in a bit of a jarring way. Right. I don't know if that was supposed to be real or not, actually, now that I think about it. But I believe their sort of flirtatiousness a little little more than their forever kind of love. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I would I would agree. It was a little weird. I believed the tension in the first 50% and I loved those interactions, but yeah, it got a little weird. Right. The last the last thing I will say before the spoiler horn, <laughs> there's like, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes of poker playing in this movie. I loved it. You would think that would make for boring movie watching, but somehow they make it super interesting, engrossing, and, you know, they, they, we have, like, breaks in the poker game, and we get different scenes. One is a fight scene, one is, like, another scene. And, like, the way they do it, at the it wasn't until after I watched it, I was like, there was, like, 30 minutes of poker playing in that movie. Right. And I didn't realize it at the time, only in retrospect, but it was still, like, good. I don't know. It was fun to watch. Yes. Shout out to the dealer. Oh, yeah. I love Because that his calling out hands flipping cards yes raise one million monsieur bond yes gentlemen the big blind is now one million dollars yes could you just i'd love to play in a poker tournament where you just announce things like that yes over and over again and the way he like flicks the cards so they actually get to every person on the table i want to so be able to good. do that I want to do and i wanted to know the story of all these other poker players too yes. the guy one guy's got a ponytail that's about three feet long and he's great yes all those characters around the table were great and i love at one point and this is going to go into our rating bond orders like a super complicated drink mm-hmm. and then one by one everyone around the table is like i'll have one of those too right <laughs> Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon for you. Yes, sir. You know, I'll have one of those. So lie. I just love that scene. Do you know that that order for a drink is lifted straight from Ian Fleming's Casino Royale book? Ah, I did not know. A little trivia. Very nice. From me to you. Well, on that note, let's rate this movie on a scale of zero to five complicated drinks. Because I don't know what that drink is called, but... It was, it was fun. Was that a martini? I think it was a martini, but he said a bunch of other words. And I... It was the Vesper. He called it the Vesper. Oh, he named it. From zero to five Vespers. That's good. Zero to five Vespers. Nate, I would like to hear what you would give this movie. I have never been so conflicted okay. on a review. And here's why. You say this three out of five times we rate a movie, but... I know. Go ahead. But each time I'm even more confused. Oh, I see. So it's always true. I think the first hour and 45 minutes of this movie is four and a half to five level quality. I really think that the first hour 45 is one to watch it again and again. I think that this movie falls apart Mm. at the end. Mm. For a movie that's two hours and 24 minutes long... It feels like at some point in time, it became a, well, this should really be two movies. We've put a lot into it. Yeah. Maybe this movie is so popular that a sequel is being picked up. So we have to like leave a little. 
I really, I'm really un, un, dis. Hmm. Which, what comes before satisfying? You know, I don't mean to make this a whole topic, Prefix. but that's an interesting question because my wife actually said unsatisfied the other day. And I was like, I thought it was dissatisfied. But when you mm. give someone an evaluation, it could be satisfactory or unsatisfactory. Mm. So I feel like it could be either. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. I will say the last 30 minutes are unsatisfying. Yeah. That is a shame because I think this, it's it's almost as if they ran out of time, which is impossible because it's a two hour and 24 minute movie. <laughs> and like you said, they spent 30 minutes playing poker. <laughs> it takes the first, oh, we'll say it was like a five out of five for me for the first hour 45. Right. And then the end takes it down to, I would say a four. Yeah. For me. If they had followed it up with a Quantum of Solace, which I think you have seen recently, I have not. If they had followed it up with like the next year and we went like full like Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, I left this movie hungry for a satisfying resolution because this movie gave me none. Right. And I don't think it actually comes in Quantum of Solace. I think it's more like, well, we need to tie up all these loose ends because the fan, the Reddit boards are out of control or whatever it was in 2006. (laughs) Yeah. So four out of five. Four out of five. I was going to give that, I was thinking of a number and that's what I came to as you talked. Four out of five Vespers. I agree with everything you just said. I saw Quantum of Solace like the next day because I was like, I love Bond movies again and I want to see one. Quantum of Solace is an hour and 40 minutes. And I feel like they robbed Quantum of Solace of a full movie and they tried to put too much in the first one. And I do think there should have been, you know, one of the things we'll talk about after the spoiler horn, but it's just not a satisfying ending to Casino Royale. Yeah, I'll give you my idea of how it should have ended after we... Okay, well, let's, let's do the spoiler horn and talk specifics. Vesper is apparently working for a secret organization to give them the money that Bond won from the poker tournament to save the life of her old boyfriend. Right. They blackmailed her. They blackmailed her. Yeah. So she is neither uh, fully good or fully bad, but at the end, she purposely dies in a metal cage, which is not great. Yeah. Because it's like, you can work with Bond. Like, if there's ever someone who can, like, get you out of this mess, it's him. He knows you betrayed him, and he is still trying to rescue you. Please, yeah, (laughs) please do not. That is maddening. The fact that she didn't let herself get rescued and was so filled with grief because she hasn't done anything. Bond is alive. She has nothing to be fully regretful. Like you would understand. Okay. Sorry. I truly do love you. I had to betray you a little bit and give the money away. She did lose all the money. I mean, unless she thought that this organization, if she was alive, they would always be hunting for her. But if there's ever someone to have by your side, if people are hunting you, it's James Bond. (laughs) I remembered that she died like from my first watching this movie years ago. It's a startling drowning scene, by the way. The drowning scene is gut-wrenching. I remember that she died, and I remember it being disturbing. I forgot that she did it willingly. Ugh. I had remembered it where she was like trapped underwater, and Bond just couldn't get her out in time. I forgot that she basically chose to drown. Right. And when when I realized that on this watching, I was like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like... No. I don't like that at all. And I also feel like... So talking about the ending, first of all, let's let's go back just a little bit. Talking about the poker game. Yep. I loved the feeling of him losing and having zero dollars and then being able to come back, seeing his 
emotions rise up and he was like going to tr- him grabbing that knife the knife like, yes yeah. and then jeffrey wright i i will always think of him as bernard now but right jeffrey wright <laughs> the cia guy saying like take my money why did we get more jeffrey wright in this movie i wish we did i mean and you know what what's sad is he's actually in quantum of solace for like three seconds really and and i wish he he should be a bigger character in all these movies this movie said okay we'll give you the money but cia gets the credit for taking down le and then we never hear from the cia again Right. Well, and the, it's the Quantum of Solace movie. Like the CIA is a lot more in that movie, and it's not great. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons why I, I rated, I would think this Casino Royale is a higher rate, rating because Quantum of Solace is clearly a worse movie. Okay. <laughs> like, got it. So I think it deserved to be four out of five Casino Royale. But anyway, I, and then I love seeing Bond win that final hand. Like that's yes. a great scene for all that. I also love during the poker scene when they poison him. And we see he grabs the, that salt, the salt off the table as he walks by. I love that. And then he goes to the car, and the Aston Martin has like a medical thing. You know, one of the things about Bond movies, I love the scenes with Q when he gets his weapons. Right. No Q in this movie. No Q in this movie. And that was one of like when you watch Goldeneye, if that's your first Bond movie, like I really think that Q scene is fun because it's funny mm-hmm. and it's you know, Joel. I know you you're less enthused about that Q scene, but you can listen to our episode if you want to hear my thoughts yeah, on Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. I will not repeat it here. But no Q scene. But you know, as Bond movies in general, Q is a character across Bond movies, and I feel like. The car is a character across Bond movies because there's weapons in the car and it has like mm-hmm. special abilities. And it was cool to see, like, there was a car chase. We got some fast driving, but it was also fun to see the car as like a medical device where, you know, this car can help Bond in many ways, right. <laughs> including a defibrillator and like being able to send blood work back to uh, MI6 and see all that. So I just liked all that. Stay calm and don't interrupt because you'll be dead within two minutes unless you do exactly what I tell you. <laughs> I'm all ears. This movie did have it right by not, I did not care about those, anyone at MI6, where I feel like future Bond movies in the Daniel Craigiverse was like, you know what we need more is more people back at MI6 doing things. Whereas like, I'm okay with these faceless guys trying to figure out what is poisoning him. I don't understand why they're there, but I'm cool with not knowing their names. Right. And the one character we care about is M. Like we know M. Right. Everybody else is just a peon, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I thought that was all interesting. And then after the fight scene around the poker game, Vesper is crying in the shower. And I felt like, I thought that was a good scene. Like where Bond like goes and sits next to her because she's kind of like traumatized. And I believed her. Like even though she turns bad, yes. that scene I think is genuine. And I, I that was a good scene. That... I think was the most I ever liked James Bond. And I think the most I went like, oh, he is actually a good guy. Although he's, you know, right. surrounded by a lot of kind of womanizing crud. At first, I read in the trivia section, they wanted Eva Green to be in the shower in her underwear, mm. which would have been the worst decision. And Daniel Craig himself <laughs> yeah. was like, no, it doesn't make sense for the scene for her to like take off her clothes before going in there. And I love that that scene isn't about like oh look at these two beautiful people in the shower it's meant to be like one person's seen a murder right and is traumatized and she is so distraught that she is fully dressed in the shower yes exactly and and they both are and that was filmed in one take and it was magic yeah that that was a great scene i could have done a little less with the finger sucking um but other than that (laughs) it was magic i mean 
Yeah, it was a little weird, but it was also like she had blood on her finger and she couldn't get it off. And so he didn't want to like... Put that in my memoir. I could have done less with finger sucking. <laughs> I'll put it on your tombstone. Thank you. So after the poker game, it takes this weird turn of like they're in Venice, Italy. And... <sighs> no, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. The torture scene is actually before that. Yes. So let's, yes. Let's touch yes. on... <laughs> Yeah, so let's touch on the torture scene just for a second. I I have figured out how to talk about this, Stephen. Okay, on this family friendly show, I figured it out. But okay. go ahead. Well, so Vesper goes out and they grab her, and so Bond chases them in one of like the car chasey type scenes. Sets a world record for the number of flips an Aston Martin has done. That's a real thing. They air cannoned like six different rotations on that thing. That's amazing. It's brilliant. Yes, that flip is. You feel it because you're like, oh, he's he's being taken out right now. But also, like, putting Vesper in the middle of the road to make Bond veer. Right. That was like, whoa. That was in- interesting and, you know, evocative. Do you ever watch a, a scene like that where a car flips over and you're just watching to see how many times it hits on the roof section? Because yes. You, yes. in my head, I think, well, like, as long as, that, as you don't hit the roof, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that. I'm like, how survivable is this role? Right. But so they capture him and they bring James Bond to this boat, this like tanker. Oh, is, were they on a boat? Yeah, they, yeah. There's like a scene of them pulling up to like a dock, oh, and so okay, they go into that. like this dirty oil tanker. Vesper disappears, and we hear her yell every once in a while. And, and then James Bond, I'll leave it to you. You said you figured out how to talk about this, but this is the yes. uh, interrogation torture scene. So James Bond gets tortured, and there is a big ball of rope. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen swings it and hits him as he's tied to a chair. He hits. They cut out the bottom of the chair and hit him. I think there's like a rock on the end. Like it seems like a stone or something. Oh, is that yeah. what it was? A place that Bond would particularly not enjoy yes. based on his past history. Yeah. I have an itch. My thought here is, one, it's a good scene. Two, I don't think he ever recovered from that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's weird because we do get like 10 minutes of nursing home scenes too. Of that, And those nursing home scenes, as again, my medical school student wife said, eh, he would not be recovered by then. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the kind of the kind of damage that Mads Mickelson did is is not something that you just, you know, sit around in a chair for a, a couple of weeks and you're fine. Right. I feel like you wouldn't be able to sit. But anyway. Yes. Should be on a donut <laughs> so from, for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Perma donut. So from that, we get to Venice, Italy when they're like running away and I, this is where I feel like it we lose the thread. Yeah. One of the things that also you enjoy about Bond movies, or that I enjoy about Bond movies, is that final showdown between Bond and whatever the villain is. Right. Or, you know, whatever that is standing in for the villain. And what's tough is we lose Mads Mikkelsen right at the end of that torture scene. Like, he just gets taken out. Yep. And, like, that was the bad guy we were attached to the entire movie. And then the final action scene as this Mm -hmm. Venice house is going in the water, which could be an interesting set for a final battle scene. It had to be an expensive set, too. Very expensive. I don't care about any of the bad guys yeah in this scene we don't know any of them like we what happened to that with that bald guy that henchman of le chief is he even was he even still around i don't think so but that yeah again like you also get that kind of thing in bond movies too we got like the the second boss and then the last boss you know and this whole last action scene because there's this weird drowning and i just don't 
know any of these bad guys, so I don't care about them. And yeah, the one guy with the glasses with the the black, and it's like, yeah, like, all right, I haven't seen you until like two hours into this movie. You haven't even been lurking in the background. I don't really care about you. Yeah, and then after that, you know, the final scene of the movie is Mister White, the guy who is a part of Spectre. Mm-hmm. James Bond like shows up at his house. He shoots him in the leg, holds a gun over him, and he says, "I'm Bond, James Bond." And then the movie ends. And it's like the weird. It's not even a cliffhanger. It's just like it's unsatisfying. Yes. So here, here are my thoughts on how I think it could be could have been done better. Yes. Oh, by the way, Mathis he appears in Quantum of Solace, right? They just kind of write his character right on out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he had other things to do, I think. <laughs> I think he gets written out pretty quick. I would have loved a cliffhanger at the end of this movie would have been fine, especially if they had a whole package for Daniel Craig. Like, you're going to be Bond for a while. I would have loved it to end with a Mads Mikkelsen. You could do the torture scene or or not. Have some sort of showdown. He has Bond. A mysterious organization comes in. Mr. White comes in. And yeah, sure, he takes out Mads Mikkelsen. And then Daniel Craig does his recovery, and it's like him and even Green are all good. And then, right after that, I would have loved the... It could still be the Venice. He has learns that the money was never transferred, and she's gone. Right. And M's like, you have 48 hours to get that money back to us. Otherwise, like, you're out of MI6, and like, are you part of this sort of thing? Hmm. You see his face harden. And he was like, you know, like, or something about like, M should ask him, like, will you be emotionally compromised for this mission? And he looks at a picture of her or something and just like shoots it and says like, (laughs) no, (laughs) yeah, no, I'm not. I'm good. And then end. Mm. And we were left going, is she bad? Is she good? Could I have Eva Green in another movie, please? That would be good. Yeah, I would have liked her in, in another one. Where she's the antagonist. I'm fine with a a cliffhanger ending to this movie that makes me excited for the next one, but don't give me a kind of half tied up strings. M gives like these throwaway lines like, Yeah, she had this Armenian boyfriend and he was blackmailed her the whole time. Yeah, it's weird. sort of like the ending of Clue. You work really hard, you're trying to figure out you're down to whether it's the rope or the revolver, it's either Mr. Green or Colonel Mustard. And at the <laughs> end, you're like you got five things left and the person across the table goes, Okay, I think it's Colonel Mustard with the rope in the observatory. And they open up the thing. Yep, they won. I felt like someone else solved this movie, mm. but not me. And the movie ended. Yeah, I like I like your I like your idea. I also feel like you could have so right after the poker game, no capturing of Bond and Vesper, no torture scene, cut all the rest. Yes, they just have the scene of the the money transfer guy, the dorky yes. guy with the briefcase. Yeah, the same thing happens where Bond tells Vesper, "You know the password." Right. The money gets transferred elsewhere. Then there's the scene with him and M saying, "The money's gone. You have 48 hours," like you're saying. And then if you want to do another 20 to 30 minutes, have that 48 hours be the ending of the movie where Bond is trying to track down Vesper. Sure. And there be some final scene where Vesper like pulls a gun on Bond, and then Bond has to make the decision of you know. Right, self defense or whatever. Like anyway, that that's happened in past Bond movies too, where the female character who seemed to love Bond like turns on him. And so, right. you know, if you wanted to wrap it up in one movie, I feel like you could. But yeah, I think either of our endings would have been better. And then you don't have to do the uh, seat seatless chair. 
it's really unfortunate because they really took their sweet time through an hour 45 and I loved the pacing. I, right. You know, sometimes when movies travel from place to place and you kind of become numb to it because it's like, all right, where are we at? Monte Carlo? Okay. Where are we at now? Yeah. Prague? Sure. But this one, I actually did feel the different locations. Like yes. they took time to set the setting. Like I really loved the whole Monte Carlo location. I love the yeah. Bahamas. Like all of it felt oh, good. Yeah. But then it felt like the rush to Venice and rush, like big set piece for no good reason. And I, w- I wasn't there with them. Right. I wasn't in San Marco Square. <laughs> all right. We have to do our top five, Nate. Mm. You said, let's rank the top five Bond theme song. And if you don't know, listener, every James Bond movie, there is a signature song that is the opening credit song for that movie. And they vary widely in style and artist all the way back to the very first ones. And so so I, I love this idea for a top five. Now, I have a couple of caveats I have to say. When ranking these movies, some of these songs... I don't feel like our 007 songs. Sure. And I have three bullet points under what makes a good James Bond song. Just for me. Okay. I would say, one, there has to be some kind of swell in the music, Mm -hmm. even if it's subtle. There needs to be some kind of, I don't know, Mm -hmm. crescendo at some Mm -hmm. point. I like that. Mm -hmm. There has to be some weird minor chord. I don't know if it's a diminished seven. I don't know if it's a flat seven. But that, that one chord that's not in the key. Oh, I... I have that in my categorization of these songs too, but I put it under the bullet point haunting. Haunting. I think yes. there has to be a haunting element to it. Yes, I agree. And this is kind of vague, but I think it has to feel like a 007 song. Mm. That might be uses the main 007 theme, which listeners, if you haven't heard it, I will play it now. Bum 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 bum. And many of those songs use that in the song. And so I love that. You don't have to use that exactly, but it has to have that kind of secret agent-y feel at some point, I feel like. Those whiny trumpets. Yes. Screaming trumpets is a huge plus in any of these songs. Those were my criteria, because as I listened to some of these songs, I was like, this is not a Bond song. Like, Louis Armstrong does one of these songs, Mm, (laughs) which I had no idea. Nancy Sinatra does one that just is... You told me not even to listen to it. Don't even. (laughs) Which I did. I listened to it several times, because I had to after you said, don't listen to it. No angst. Yeah. Just a, a slow... And Louis Armstrong's song sounds like a Caribbean vacation song. Like, it's this nice, light, happy song, and it's like, you know, I love Louis, but... This is not a 007 song to me. It doesn't sound like one. I would say that I followed those pretty well, except for my number five um, does not. I think all four out of my five in my list are very James Bondy, and the other one is just I enjoy it because it slaps. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> slaps. <laughs> and one other caveat, the the main Bond theme that like overarches all these movies. From Dr. No, the first one. From right? Dr. No, the first one. We're not going to include that in our top five because it's kind of weaved across all Bond films. And it's kind of, I feel like, a separate thing. Yes. And so we're going to leave that out of our top five. So here's my question. Do you have any 
honorable mentions? I do. Okay. My first honorable mention is the Chris Cornell one from this movie. Was it something called like Know Me By Your Name? I Know Your Name. This one is... You Know My Name? Is You Know My Name. Yes. I think it's pretty good. It is okay. Okay. I like the... It. You know what it is? It feels very Bond-like. It, it fits all of those categories, but for me, it doesn't quite land with like a really wonderful swell. Right. And then my other honorable mention is basically any, and I have one of them on here, but shout out to Shirley Bassey. Yes. Dame Commander Shirley Bassey. That is her huh. her rank wow. as a dame. Okay. Her voice is basically the human equivalent of the unmuted open bell trumpet. <laughs> yes. And I love it. Yes, that is very good. Before I give you my honorable mentions, were there any that you would put at the bottom of the list? Oh, yes, there are. Bottom of my list. Sorry, Shirley Bassey again. Moonraker. Yeah, <laughs> I did not care for All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Mm. And I think For Your Eyes Only and Nobody Does It Better are not Bond songs. They're just slow, yeah. uh, slow dance songs from the late 70s or 80s. Yes. What about you? So the bottom of my list, of all the songs, I really didn't like Madonna's song, <laughs> The Die Another Day. Madonna's one was rough. It's so weird. It doesn't sound like a Bond song. It's trying to be super modern. I was like, meh. Yep. I just did not like it. So that's towards the bottom. And also, sorry, but Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. I have such mixed emotions about this song, and my wife actually felt the same way. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna disagree here shortly, so don't you worry. Okay. That that's another one. And the only other one I want to mention before my honorable mentions is the Duran Duran song. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just thought it was hilarious as a Bond yes. song. It did not hit, I think, any of our lists, but it is a it is a a mood. <laughs> it, is, it is a mood, and is it stands apart from like all these other songs. Yes, like it is very different. And so for that, I just want to mention it because it is it's just hilarious to me. Okay, a couple honorable mentions for me. So I have four, sorry. Very quickly. <laughs> License to Kill, Gladys Knight. She sounds pretty good. I like that one. Mm -hmm. The Casino Royale, like you said, you know my name. Honorable yep. mention. It was interesting. Yes, agreed. No Time to Die by Billie Eilish, which is the unreleased Bond film, like the next one coming. Right. I really wanted to love it. And then I listened to it with Whitney. <laughs> Whitney was like, she's barely making any sound. Like... <laughs> So, like, quiet. Like, her vocal cords are just touching. Was I stupid to love you? Was I reckless to help? Yeah, I just, I left it off the list because I think I need to know the mood of the future Bond movie to know if it really goes. Because yeah. if, if that Bond movie becomes like a, 
him dealing with like mortality and it's sort of an it's the closing of the Daniel Craig era or maybe they even kill off Bond. Right. I'm down for a very like croaky Billie Eilish. I guess, but also because I do like Billie Eilish's sound. I, I just do don't too. know if it matches the the theme of that movie. But there is also. To, to my criteria, there is zero swell or crescendo in that song. Right. It is the same volume throughout. It kind of feels like a 007 song, but there's no weird minor chord. There's no screaming trumpets. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. I wanted to like it, but I didn't. Not yeah. quite. And my last honorable mention is The World Is Not Enough. Uh, for some reason, like, uh, I kind of liked the theme. I, and there's also a harp. There's a harp glissando, Nate. A harp glissando. And the song. Okay. Wonderful. The song title is actually in the film, and the line in the film is actually pretty good. Can I just say, though, the world is not enough. If you could play a section right here of the, the actual melody, the world, the is, not world is not enough. I feel like they just took the old Bond theme some sort of melody riff and just put words to it it felt like it wasn't anything new it was just a recycled <laughs> that's fair enough it is a later bond yeah which is fine. okay so anyway, those are my honorable mentions let's get to our top five i'm so excited number five for yes, me what is when you were young and your heart was an open book makes you They live and let die. Okay, yeah, Paul McCartney. I get it. It's the Paul McCartney song. Again, it's not James Bondy. It takes so many turns to that bum 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 bum. It goes a lot of places. I know it's weird, but I love it. It's super weird. Whitney was like, this is four songs in one. It is. Because every is. section is totally disconnected from the others. I like the instrumental breaks. Like the dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. Like, that's interesting. But I, I can't stay in the voice. It gives me almost Bohemian Rhapsody vibes of how much it changes between the different parts of the song. That's a terrible thing to say about Bohemian Rhapsody. This <laughs> song is, <laughs> I don't think it's great. It's nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song from a Movie. So There's you watch your tone. Not a lot of other options. That's my. <laughs> that's what I have to believe. But anyway, all right. Well, my number five. I'm going with one of Bassie's three yep. songs. Diamonds are forever, forever. I like that yes. song. Yes. Uh, my wife made it. They have used it in like a commercial. I think Zales or... Probably for Diamonds. Yeah, for Diamonds, obviously. But uh, I, I kind of like it. It's haunting. Yeah, I just love her voice doing it, like that repeated line. I, don't know, I like it. That's my number five. Yeah, it's definitely got that haunting-ness yeah. to it. It did not make my top five. It, to me, yeah. it gets a little boring. I only want about 30 minutes, uh, 30 yeah. seconds of it. For sure, for sure. Okay, well, what's your four? He looks at this world and wants it all. Boom. So he strikes like Thunderball. It is Thunderball. <laughs> Thunderball by Tom Jones. He, it is melodramatic. It yeah. is hokey. It is Sean Connery. But it is truly what James Bond is all about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's over the top. Yep. And I like it. Number four. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's good. Okay. Well, you had asked if I could remember any of this song after listening to it. And so my number four is, <clears throat> If I risk it all. Anyway, that Sam Smith song. <laughs> was that you? Was that you, Sam Smithing? Yeah, that was me. The Sam Smith song, "Writings on the Wall." I did enjoy it because of, and that one line, and because the whole, the orchestra follows him in the yes. "If I risk it all," like that line right there was enough to get me. Now I listened to this with Whitney, and I was a little I was a little nervous because I was like, "This yeah, guy can really sing." He can. I don't even know if I should introduce Whitney to this guy because who knows what's going to happen? You know, Sam Smith might be one of my favorite male vocalists ever because it's such a unique sound. So we actually went and listened to some of his like top songs just on Apple Music. Yes. He sounds so great in so many of those. And even Whitney said like he sounds amazing there. Yes. In the writings on the wall, once he goes into like his high high falsetto, mm-hmm. it's less evocative and powerful. Mm. Like the line the if I risk it all, like that is like the most powerful I think in the song. Yeah, the writings on the wall part, he kind of draws it back. Yeah, and it's I, it, it's tough because I wasn't crazy about that part and my wife was like he's also pitchy and I don't know he like Ooh. she hears a lot of pitchiness and I'm like well I'm not going to call Sam Smith out on that and I'll, <laughs> you, know, you can do that but uh, I did really like that line and he does have a great voice and I, I knew of Sam Smith I've never listened to a lot of what he did so hearing his voice like kind of for the first time ish knowing it was him I enjoyed it so writing's on the wall if anyone wants to get an intro into the ability of sam smith might i suggest looking at the song latch but the acoustic cover so if you just type latch acoustic into any into Mm -hmm. google Mm -hmm. okay you will hear it is an amazing falsetto to chess voice flip that he does over and over again it's fantastic he he, yeah his so one of the things in musical theater that we learned like in high school, not that any of us could do it, but we had one guy who could do it, was like the ability to mix your falsetto voice with your full voice. Right. And Sam Smith can do that to great effect and then flip yes. completely one direction to the other, and it's amazing. All right, what's your number three? It is. It has one little little bit at the beginning. Okay. I don't even care about the rest of it, but it starts with... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> On the water. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any of those words. <laughs> How about the actual Golden song? Golden Eye. It's Tina Turner, Golden Eye. It doesn't have to go anywhere. I honestly think the first 30 seconds is enough to make this a top five song just because the uh, almost Michael Jackson esque ah, ah, at the beginning with the bum, 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 bum. Yes, yes. I don't care that it doesn't go a whole lot of places. Right. It's good. And Tina Turner was meant to do a James Bond theme song. Yes. Nate, we share our number three. Ooh. I also put Goldeneye on my number three. I texted you because I forgot what the theme song sounded like. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening through the playlist, letting it go. And I heard that intro and I was like, whoa. That just gave me the chills. Boom, 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 boom. Yes. But also, like, it does build. There's some trumpets in there hitting some high notes. And yeah, Tina Turner. Her voice is great for a Bond song. So yeah, that was my number three as well. You ready for my number two? How does lies come to skies what you fear? 
for a golden girl knows when he's kissed her. It's the kiss of death from Mr. Goldfinger. From Mr. Goldfinger. I got great news. Yeah. Shirley Bassey is back. It is Goldfinger. <laughs> it is in the Thunderball school of melodrama. It is fantastic. The end of the song, both Thunderball and Goldfinger, end with just one belting. He loves gold. Just <laughs> at full volume. It has the whiniest brass you have ever yes. heard in a song. In this song, it is perfect. It is a Sean Connery movie that has a lot of fond memories for me. There you go. Goldfinger is number two. That's good. I actually had that as I was going to put in my honorable mentions, but I already had Shirley Bassey and the Diamonds Are Forever. But anyway, I just want to let you all know that I took it. I took the time to pull up clips from these songs so that when I sang them to you, they would be in key. <laughs> and I did not. So I have no idea if mine are in the same key. Perfect. S- Sam Smith's song, most assuredly not. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me you, do, you won't... When it... <laughs> When you blend it with Sam Smith, you're telling me we won't be confused where you stop and he starts? No, no. That'll blend perfectly. I'll put some some auto-tune on it. So my number two, I'm just going to replay what you sang. The Thunderball. Because Thunderball is my my number two. Yes. So he strikes Here's why. I, I wanted to love the older songs, the older Bond songs. Mm-hmm. And this was one that was like this one. Yep. This one I really enjoy. While his voice can be very melodramatic at times, I know it's the style. <laughs> My wife, when she listened mm-hmm. to it, when he was like, not crazy about his voice. And I was like, I understand that. <laughs> but this sounds 1000% like a James Bond theme. Yes. There are screaming trumpets in this song. They snuck in the main 007 um, bum, 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 bum. They snuck in that theme here and there. Mm-hmm. There's a Harmon muted trumpet, which sounds great. And the end of the song, he's belting some high note. It's like, this is a Bond song. Yes. And I, I really enjoyed it. So Thunderball is my number two. And I am 99.9% sure our number ones are the same. But Nate, why don't you tell me your number one? Okay. It starts a little something like this. This is the end. <laughs> Hold your breath and count to ten. Mm-hmm. Feel the earth move again. Something, something otherworld. Yes. Skyfall. Adele. I don't think, other than Shirley Bassey, Mm. there is anyone alive now or since past who is more perfectly suited to have their voice fit to a James Bond theme song than Adele. Yes. Haunting. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) British. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Key there. Key. 100%. This is also my number one. I don't know how it could not be 
the number one Bond song. Not only is her voice perfect, but the structure of this song, it has like a bridge. It is has huge swells. There's like a chorus that comes in during the last part of it that really adds to the energy. Even Whitney was like, well, yeah, this is my favorite. Duh. Like, it's like there's not even one close to it. And like that piano intro. Even, like Whitney was like, man, I feel that piano intro. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I know. And it's just a piano. And they still like, I don't know, it draws you in. Like, it's it's amazing. She kills it. it it's, very, it's very good. Having listened to almost 25 of these songs, yeah. I think I can also say, not to be like a huge stickler, Doing a top five of these songs, these are not the best musical songs by any stretch of the imagination, and you're really comparing them to each other. Right. There are a lot of stinkers. Oh, my goodness. A lot of stinkers. A lot of, a lot of stinkers you have to wade through to get to the pearl of sk- like a Skyfall. And even a Skyfall, I don't even think is a top three Adele song. No, it's not. But... It brings it way to the top of Bond songs. And like when this song came out, right. I actually listened to it just to listen to it. Like I just enjoyed hearing her sing it. Yeah. A song that can also top charts is right. and also be a Bond song is pretty cool. That is why Live and Let Die, just because it topped a chart. I mean, come on. It did. If Adele and was it's alive. It's a journey. Then, it's also a journey that I really recommend everyone go on because it is four songs in one. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, Skyfall, number one. Amazing. You know, you said no one alive or dead could do a better Bond song. Not a better Bond song. A better a better Bond singer. Right, right. That's what, Yeah, that's what I meant. We never got a Bond song from like Whitney Houston. Do you think she would have done a good one? I don't think she's haunting enough. Mm. I think if you're, if you're not going to go haunting, I think the Tina Turner is the better play than a Whitney Houston. Because Whitney Houston, I, I love Whitney Houston. Absolutely. She can belt it. How do I know? I want to dance with somebody, all of it. But <laughs> it's a little too, even I will always love you, it's a little more hopeful than I want. I, I want a little you. bit yeah. more angst. It's got to be dark. It's got to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this top five Bond songs. Let us know what you thought. Add us on Instagram, at Movies on the Side, Twitter, at Movies on the Side, Facebook, same thing. We'd love to hear from you, hear from your favorite Bond songs. Maybe, what's your favorite Bond movie? Maybe we can review that next. We would love to hear... Also, don't forget, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That'll help us climb the ranks of movie review podcasts. There's a few million of them out there, so you know any five-star review would help. And we also have bonus episodes every week. This week is no different. Check out our bonus episodes on patreon.com slash movies on the side. Support the show with any amount, just because you love the show, and then you get access to all the past and future bonus episodes. And like we always say, I have no armor left. You've stripped it from me. Whatever is left of me, whatever is left of me, whatever I am, I'm yours. I like how you, you said a Daniel Craig line in a Sean Connery voice. <laughs> Moving into a Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah.